Hi, I'm James Richardson with a quick word on the audio treats The Athletic have in store this season. Three times a week you get the award-winning Totally Football Show with the likes of James Horncastle, Raphael Honigstein, Carl Anker and Rory Smith and me. Uh, Mark Chapman hosts The Athletic Football Podcast a flashy four times a week with David Ornstein, Adam Crafton and many others. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast will have all the Women's Super League coverage off the back of their brilliant Euros and the offside rule is back too with weekly episodes. That's not all. There are eight dedicated club shows. There's Adam Hurry's joyous football cliché show, Michael Cox's insightful athletic football tactics podcast, the offbeat TIFO football podcast, and a revamped football manager show too. You can get all of these shows wherever you find your podcast or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Gee! He's round the goalkeeper, he's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter And tame, and tame again. Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! A quick word for the small matter of the European champions. Fulham's genuinely scandalous, fraudulent kit-evoking. Why the Colorado Rapids are the new Stoke. The most footballery description of someone's wedding of all time. The rules of figuratively driving a player to the airport yourself. The threshold for the ex-million-pound man. When does a pass become a ball? And the most atmospheric school playground kickabout ever recorded. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 178 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me first of all is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, Great reception, I thought, to Leeds Days. Mm. The quote tweets in particular were sensational. Lots of people from Korea just saying, I I had no idea this came from soccer. Incredible. I know. It was so nice seeing how many people um, yeah, said they used it and weren't even necessarily football fans. So, yeah, great. And also, as as with anything like that, you'd always have the fear of someone piping up and being like, uh, actually, I think you'll find this. There was none of that. So, yeah, none. Delighted. Not a single one. Fantastic. Great. Took it in great humour. Um, and what we taketh with the cultural capital from Korea, we giveth back with an explanation, which I thought was fantastic. We all win. We all win. Alongside you for the adjudication panel today is David Walker. How's it going? I hear you have something of a post-Euros conundrum for us. Well, yeah, I was just sort of thinking, amidst all of the the euphoria and the celebrations, (laughs) something... Not to be a downer on it or anything. (laughs) No, 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 not at all. But like the whole it's coming home, it's come home, it's home... No one's ever really. No one thought about what would happen if it did actually come home. So how do we say it? What's the correct way of referring to that particular bit of phraseology? I would say I would prefer "it's come home" over "it's home," which is yeah. too much of a departure from the original lyrics. I think you need to be faithful to the uh, to the lyrics. I think "it's come home" sounds a lot, makes a lot more sense. "It's home" 
that's weird that sounds a bit weird like it because also it's come home conveys the journey that it's yeah. been away and come back 100 percent. lots of people um lots of people very naive about this whole process as as, as much as people like to do a deep dive into this sort of thing lots of people saying charlie that um it's a home tournament so how could football possibly have come home hmm. as if you were 96 uh, never hello happened. what's wrong yeah. with people um, <laughs> yeah i mean that suggests some people are barely aware of your 96 which is odd uh, odd for us yeah Dave, I was tempted to do a, an, an hour-long debate about whether it has indeed come home, but let's leave that aside. Let's <laughs> let's leave three lions aside just for another year. Um, but let's talk about the lionesses. Let's let's do a little brief chronology of the whole final, if possible. It started off Charlie with I think a real rubber stamping of the importance of this to the nation. Which is this from Radio 4? 29 minutes past eight. There's some football on tomorrow night. Apparently, uh, Mike. There is a small matter of a major European final at Wembley. Yes, Michelle. 32 hours, in fact, or so roughly to go until surely the biggest football match in the history of the England women's side. Um, a nicely poised small matter of Charlie and a well-delivered one too. All for it. Two thumbs up from me. Yeah, absolutely textbook. And the countdown in the hours. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just, just get across precisely how... Yeah, but I think, yeah. you know, to convey that, you know, precisely how excited we all are. Dave, uh, I, I do fear that the um, the winning goal, which um, Cliché's alumnus James Moore pointed out, was a really wembley goal. Sort of a poked mm. home from a, from a set piece. Um, I think that's a very astute observation, actually. Yes, you could... If you, you could you could see it fitting perfectly if you transplanted in the old Wembley. Right. I could sort of see that being a 1972 FA Cup final winning goal. Worked in any era. Um, James yeah. Charlie said it was very playoff finally. Yeah, I, but I think it is very new Wembley. I, th- I think that's that's really spot on. For, for some reason, especially those early ones, at the new Wembley, where you never seem to get good goals. Mm. All, all the goals seem to be kind of scrappy set-piece efforts. Um, yeah, I yeah, agree. It, 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 it does. That's, that's very that's That's very a good, good point, actually. Does Wembley have a like, defining wonder goal? I can't think of... Can't think of an absolutely incredible venue-defining goal. Do you know what the best goal probably is? Is the Barovian Bedlam one? <laughs> yeah, like that's, um, that's an absolute worldie. Steve but, Morrison for Millwall, possibly. Yeah, like, God knows what game it was, but that was an incredible goal. But yeah, mm, needs to be a top-level match. Was that against Scunthorpe? Something like that in the playoff final. Yeah, but England haven't really scored an absolutely incredible goal. No, Deli Ali scored a good one from range. Yeah, needs it. It needs it just to ju- justify the cost. Needs to <laughs> needs to repay its transfer fee. <laughs> a huge um, chunk of that taxpayers. Uh, yeah, fee. but the 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 drama of that winning winning goal, Dave, perhaps overshadowed as they often do the the earlier goal from from Ella Toon. This is what Daniel B asks us: How would you describe Ella Toon's finish? Was it a chip, a dink, a lofted finish? Um, the ball, he says, was slightly bouncing, which I feel puts it out of chip territory. It was too high for a dink. Didn't feel lobby enough for a lob. I would actually say lifted over the goalkeeper for this one. Uh, yeah, great point this, because I, I was thinking exactly this in the aftermath of the goal. Because of the arc and the loop of the ball, I was I wanted to see the replay to see the sort of technique that, she, that she'd used. And yeah, that little bounce. Because initially I thought she might have scooped it. Mm, the way it sort of went yeah, quite, I agree. It, it went scooped. very high, but it, but she didn't know the ba- the bounce was there. So I yeah I think, but it wasn't with like the it wasn't with the side of the foot, was it? It was laces, it was still it? with still with the sort of the laces, yeah. So I think lifted is quite mm. a good one. It's definitely not it's not a chip because 
definitely not a chip. Yeah, you need to be going down into the ground to chip. And the, the trajectory ball. was too flat for it to be a lob, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it was a bit loopy. You won't like this, Adam, because mm. it's a computer game reference. Um, but <laughs> right. on the old Pro, when Pro Evo had its day on the on the PlayStation, if you pressed L one and square, which was shoot, it did exactly what that goal did. Still, you probably still can. You still do yeah. it on FIFA uh, uh, twenty two. Yeah, yeah. It is quite a fe- it, it was quite a FIFA esque arc to the ball. Actually, it had exactly mm. the trajectory okay. that if you press those buttons produce mm. yeah there was, there was definitely a sort of gentle elegance to it which i think lends itself to lifting rather than anything else it wasn't cheeky enough for a dink or a scoop nor it was the ball on the floor no. no yeah exactly absolutely right really enjoyed this from captain leah williamson after the game charlie who adhered so strictly to the proudest day of her life script as captain this must be one of your proudest moments incredible dexterity to to turn it into a hypothetical situation but still sticking to the immutable law do you think that was in case any future children of hers watched it and were offended so it's sort of like just conveying that or to anyone who's had kids yeah it's such a shame that this this disclaimer has to exist charlie yeah i mean i remember once watching um a documentary where someone was talking about the best ever and they were like no why would having kids or being married be up there everyone does that whereas what i'm talking about is truly extraordinary (laughs) and i did think fair enough well you're both fathers Mm. are are you having that as the proudest day of your life proudest the live show was good wasn't it (laughs) being in that pub afterwards i mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, I didn't get that in the uh, maternity ward. Um, right. Um, were you, more, you were probably more anxious before the live show than <laughs> yeah. the birth of your firstborn, weren't you? Wouldn't be surprised. Um, some more uh, script sticking to situations. Um, Dave, the players have been given the freedom of the City of London yeah. within, within, like, within about sort of 7 a.m. Of, of the win as well. That's too early. At least it's, give it some thought. So I, I did see Lottie Wubben Moy, mm. uh, forgive me if I pronounce that incorrectly, um, tweeted after this news saying, Great, does that mean we get like free tubes, free bus pass, and everything now? And I didn't want to rain on her parade, but I, is, she, is she clear on what the city of London <laughs> is? Is it just that little bit? It's just a square mile, like near yeah. Bank and Liverpool Street. So. Yeah. They could drive their sheep through the city of London, but no free tube. Uh, but Charlie, I mean, is this enough? I, feel, I mean, to me, it feels quite MBE. Oh yes, I think I think absolutely MBE uh, at a minimum, and, th- and then probably with a smattering of higher honours. Hmm. I mean, sports personality of the year. You mean? Ooh, let's not start. That I think debate. they're going to give it to the whole team. Ooh. Well, there is a team, but there is a team. Oh, category, is there? Of course, there? there is. So yeah, you know, so it'd be Beth Beth Mead, won't it? I guess. You reckon? I think so. Player of the tournament, top scorer, mm. I think nailed on. And there's no, yeah. and there's no. I think before this, I was looking at this the other day for some unknown reason. I think Ronnie O'Sullivan was a favourite in a betting or something. You forget <laughs> that now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it must be hard. Like when you're, you're basically this sort of de facto. There isn't anyone better favourite for BBC Sports personality, and then something massive happens. You think, oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to sneak in there under the radar. O'Sullivan himself feels like he's pretty, he must be there so many years just knocking around. Like I would just assume in any given year he'd be a contender. I think there should be some damehoods, surely. You know, like an Olympic gold medal. Oh, no, that's what I mean. I think when I say a smattering of left, right, and centre. more seniors, yeah. I, th- I think like, yeah, captain. Dame Jill Scott as the senior player in the tide? Potentially. I just think Olympics, you know, not necessarily from Can my you... perspective, sit higher than that in the national pantheon of things can to be impressed we... by. Can, can we give honours? Yeah, honor you can. You can give an honorary damehood. 
You can give honorary ones, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Where, where, where do you think, honorary you know, honor? An honorary honor. In in the um, sort of pantheon of they'll never have to buy a drink in X place. Where do you, does that stretch to the whole country? Is that just to the town they're from? Will they never you, have to buy a pint in England? That seems a bit much. You don't think that you have to specify the location. So never have to buy a drink again. Yeah, never have to buy a drink yeah. Uh, right. But yeah, you know, I'm assuming they're not big drinkers. Well, they're elite I mean, athletes. Yeah, Germany yeah. though. Hmm. They might have to put the bill in jail. <laughs> well, they took it badly, didn't they? Yeah. Which was, I think it was just excellent. A real a real added twist for the whole thing. But um, I've noticed a little strand throughout the latter stages of this tournament, Charlie, that I think this might be, and bear with me here, the most a quick word for triumph in English sporting history. So many people getting a quick word right, for yeah. beyond the obvious. as It, it almost becomes a game of one-upmanship amongst mm. um, experts in the field. It's like, well, actually, a quick word for uh, this very obscure person you may not have heard of, but, but got the ball rolling back in 1973. It's such a quick word for you situation, this. Yeah, I mean, I can't really understand it as well because I'm sure there are lots of people who have been following the women's team and women's football generally very closely. And there was certainly a degree of territory marking, I think, on Twitter yesterday, which I totally get because yeah. I can imagine if I'd been you know following it for a long time and then suddenly all these johnny come lately's but I, but so i think it does slightly depend to that because if you can as you say one up someone with a quick word for you're you are very much showing the extent of your knowledge on this area that now everyone claims to be an expert about yeah i agree um but generally speaking dave i've come up with a quick word for hierarchy for these situations <laughs> okay. um top of the list for quick words for are players who played well in the game but didn't score uh, so in this situation that would be Kira Walsh so kind of kind of the midfield kind of anchor which is which is traditionally quite an unspectacular role so sort of a quiet going about their business situation so there's that's very quick word for you I think yeah although well, she did assist the crucial opening mm, goal that's true which I think is a little bit more deserving of more than a quick the crucial word. opening goal <laughs> are you happy with that Stick with that. Well, it b- broke the deadlock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it added. It was one of the two, which makes it yeah, yeah. crucial difference. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, second, sort of mid-table in the hierarchy of quick words for are the fans, Charlie. Quick word for the fans who were great. Um, yeah. I also after the semi-final, I had a quick word for the people of Sheffield. <laughs> That's too much. There are actually a lot because there's the staff. Mm. There, you know, the sort of people behind the scenes who. We don't get to see every day. The rest of the squad as well. You know, even the players who didn't play. Yeah. A quick word for them because, you know, they could have sulked. They haven't done any of that. They've been <laughs> they've been behind us every step of the way. Yeah. I, I sort of uh, did my own quick word for on Twitter yesterday. Yep. Shouting out Robin Cowan and Rachel Brown-Finnis, who I didn't see much praise for uh, after the in the immediate aftermath of the game. I thought both were brilliant, but um, I don't know where they are in the hierarchy. Mm. I, yeah, so bringing broadcasters into the equation, but then I guess there's in this example there's more of a vested interest there. They they've been on that journey, so I would allow them into the quick word for universe. Robin Cowan, friend of the show, so mm. fully deserving of that. Um, I said yeah. proudly that Robin Cowan had been a guest on uh, mm. on this podcast. Absolutely right. Before before everyone got on this bandwagon, exactly, yeah, yeah. Quick word for us, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. for, uh... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, uh, the next up, this is this is from uh, Harvey Spencer. And um, now, obviously, the Lioness's run to Euro 2022 glory has been a showcase of textbook pre- and post-match and morning-after social media. I've seen a lot, Charlie, of how you feeling today, guys. I mean, there's a lot of, sort of conversational... That sort of stuff. You know what I mean, simply mm-hmm. by that noise. Um, but it's, it's starting to bleed into 
general football chat. Um, as I said, Harvey Spencer has brought my attention to this. This is from Southampton's Twitter account after the pre-season friendly win over Monaco, where they simply said, about last night. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Oh. Oh. I mean, that we, we were talking about this, weren't we, in our WhatsApp group the other day about some of those staples that that i mean i'm at the best of times it feels very just generic and standard but after a friendly win about last night what is that was that was that the game where there was a wonder goal in it i don't think i don't think it even was i think that was a different game and even if there is you're talking about the joe Rebo yeah efforts but that was against villarreal wasn't it yeah there you go yeah yeah but the 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 accompanying picture to the about last night (laughs) caption is just of i don't even know who that player is just one of their players just sort of <laughs> going up against like it's just a sort of 50 50 sort of situation in the middle of the pitch there's no there's empty no, like, stand behind them no, yeah <laughs> about last night you what, weren't what, there but about it. It. <laughs> yeah exactly better fill you in because none of you bothered to turn up anyway um yeah let's not be lazy with our social media english football next up reading's new kit for the 2022-23 season um has a very noble has a very noble approach behind it it's um the sleeves have lines on them, Dave, representing the average temperature for Berkshire across the club's history in an effort to highlight the effects of climate change. Right. Now, quite a creative thing to do. It's obviously a very, very newsworthy thing to be doing, very, very urgent thing to do. But don't evoke that. that, that that's, that's the last thing you want to evoke, isn't it? The world ending. Don't evoke that. I mean, no. But I mean, I think there is. A, obviously, that's the point, right? Yeah, a subtle nod to the tail end of the Industrial Revolution. Speaking of which, this simply leads me into the rest of this, Charlie, because um, uh, this puts the Craven in Craven Cottage. Um, Fulham have unveiled their new away shirt, uh, which they describe as a bold pulse mint strip, featuring a detailed modern interpretation of the Craven Cottage brickwork panelled across the front of the body. And my first thought was, that's a bit of a stretch, but, you know, whatever, you've got to... You've got to take your inspiration from somewhere. It emerges that it's simply an Adidas template that is being used from loads of other clubs. So Standard Liège have exactly the same shirt, for example. So presumably that's also inspired by the Craven Cottage brickwork. My point is here, we're all so well-versed in kit speak. It's a perennial curiosity for us, but I don't think I've ever seen it reverse engineered like this. You can't do that. It's absolutely, genuinely scandalous, I think. I mean... Yeah, that's an amazing post-rationalisation, isn't it? Credit to them in a way for being presented with this, thinking, right, how can we justify this? How can we personalise it? You know. The watchdog should get involved here. Mm. Cheating the fans. Some, what if, you know, What if you're a fan who buys that based on this sort of lovely nod to the Craven Cottage brickwork, and then you go to another, you know, you go to a foreign city to watch a team play, and you have this horrible realisation. They should have just gone, gone the whole hog and actually had, like, proper brick-coloured... Mm. Shirts. Yeah. Just take a photo of the actual brickwork and bang it on there. <laughs> bang, bang it on there. <laughs> Kit design by Dave Walker. I don't know if this is better or worse, Dave, but um, Bournemouth unveiled their new home kit for the season. Um, sort of jaggedy lines instead of stripes. Seems um, to be very, very of the moment that. There's a lot of jagged. I've seen a lot of jagged kits. Palaces like, is Palace, nice. Palace is very jagged. Like, yeah. Inter have got a jaggedy stripe thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad direction to go in, but Bournemouth claim that it's inspired by and reflective of the club's architectural stadium pillars. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> who, <laughs> who has not been impressed by the stadium pillars down <laughs> at the, the Vitality, vitality. <laughs> 
Honestly, really. This is really like having your cake and eat it with these um, templates. Because if you're going to be lazy and just use temp, if if the manufacturers are going to use templates, that then the only benefit from that, I suppose, is that it should take away those sort of nonsense justifications. Mm. To have both is is ridiculous. It's having your cake and eating it. Yeah, I completely agree. Delighted to um, to be informed this week, Charlie, that Match Magazine of our youths. Mm. are still doing their season tracker and tabs for 2022-23. You know, the things you slot in, the little shirt things that oh, you slot wow, into yeah. these slots. for the, like league the ladders. Tables. Yeah, the ladders. Oh, league ladders. That's what they're... Is, is, did Shoot call them league ladders and that's why Matt John Ladder mm. called them that? Yeah, maybe, yeah. That must be what the situation yeah. is. But yeah, they're still going. But a classy touch, Charlie. But fair play to anyone who has ever maintained six divisions of these tabs from August to May. How can anyone have the discipline? I mean, I think if we weren't doing those however many years ago pre-internet when it was all set up for that, you know, we were at an age where we would still, you know, fill things in and that kind of thing. And even yeah. the, even for us, this was a bridge too far. I mean, like, there literally are probably a reasonable amount of people the world over whose job it is to update league tables for various mm. digital outlets across mm. the world. It's a job. <laughs> Sitting down on a Monday morning and having to, like... <laughs> Yeah, manual labour involved as well, having to slot them in yourself. It's a joke. Good few hours a week, I think. Yeah, Yeah. but Dave, it's also a job to update, you know, World Cup results. But that doesn't stop people filling in wall charts. Yeah, wall chart Um, man over here. Different, I think it's a a shorter period of time, isn't it? Mm. And and it could, in theory, be a collector's item later on in life, you know. If England won the World Cup, then you'd have the the wall chart to go with it. You're not gonna you're gonna keep you're not gonna preserve your season tracker. Well, that's a nine... good point. You'd only need the end of the, te- the, end yeah, of the season the table end. as well. <laughs> <laughs> Just say you did it throughout. This is I promise, fully completed. Every week I was doing it. No more. Put it in a night. drawer for nine it's, months and then just do it at the end. Lapse. That is oh, sensational. Time yeah. lapse, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that potential. Yeah. Hope someone does do that. Right, next up, this is from Ian Koppel, who was walking through downtown Denver, Colorado, Dave. And spotted a huge billboard for the Colorado Rapids. And uh, the slogan went thus. But can they do it on a hot summer night at altitude? Great to see this format <laughs> venturing the world. But I, I suspect there must be so many people who read that just going, what the fuck? What are you talking <laughs> well, about? Actually, way more of a challenge than doing it on a wet mm. Tuesday night in Stoke. I guess so, yeah, Doing physiologically. Doing at, at, at altitude, yeah, difficult. Very yeah. difficult thing to do. I completely agree. This is from Will Beckman, Charlie. Um, here's Athletics' Jeanette Quache completely flipping this concept on its head at the World Athletics Championships. This platform as well, Ailey, that gives you confidence. Listen, you can run a 400-metre British record on a cold, wet night in Stoke, but if you don't do it on the world stage then not everybody really kind of looks at that as an achievement. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> so it's, nice. It's twisted it into so many knots. I don't know what to do with the cold night in Stoke anymore. Yeah. So she's saying there that that's, she's using that as a kind of paradigm for a training session in the sort of wet and cold. And yes, yeah. you can dig in and do it then, but can you so do it? So it's easy on, to do it on a so cold yeah. night in Stoke. Yeah. When the, I guess because it's so unglamorous and the eyes of the world, the world aren't on you. Yeah. For the Burslem Harriers or something. <laughs> <laughs> Why are they always Harriers? What is that? <laughs> oh dear. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the uh, the Bet three six five with a running track around it? I can't. That would turn it into a too much of a European. But good news for Rory Delap, at least. 
Yeah, if they'd had it. Um, Someone at my uh, son's football, by the way, on um, on Saturday made a sort of Rory Delap throw reference, which I thought was kind of quite easy, low level dad banter. What a, I, oh, I was going to say, it wasn't but... one of the three-year-olds then. <laughs> that's good. No, right, no, that, right. that would have been pretty advanced. Been yeah, quite I, th- I that. think that was, that's got that's got years left in it, mileage-wise, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, sorry to mix up my units of measurement there, but um, but uh, quite appropriate that I did so. Charlie, been really looking forward to sharing this one with you. Um, sometimes footballers just can't help but talk like footballers. Um, Duncan McSween has sent me this in. This was from the Motherwell versus Sligo Rovers programme last Thursday. And uh, Motherwell defender Ricky Lammy is talking about his wedding. It's one of them that the club was good and the manager was really good with me. It was all done within a week or so. We ended the season on a reasonable high with everything working out so well. So it was a case of just getting something sorted. It was ideal. It let me relax and enjoy an important couple of weeks. I would say we had a big wedding, but my missus will probably say it was small. We had around 100 bodies there. So it was more than (laughs) enough to have a right good time. (laughs) I had to sanity check this with various people from regular walks of life saying, would you ever use bodies for this? Bodies. <laughs> Just need to get some bodies through the door. Oh, it's so Harry, Harry Redknapp's in charge of the guest list. <laughs> <laughs> Just need a few more bodies in, you know. Just get some bodies in. That is yeah, so good. I mean, I've heard of headcount, but yeah. Bondy. Um, Do you know anyone? Yeah. <laughs> Just need an extra couple of bodies. <laughs> Pairs of legs. <laughs> oh dear Numbers. honestly absolutely perfect um but yeah footballers will footballer charlie i guess yeah that's that is superb this episode is brought to you by Michelob ultra the official beer sponsor of the nba want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive nba prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an nba game and more head over to michelobultra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Early contenders for Games Gone for 2022-23, Dave. Um, Manchester City have unveiled, I guess, a smart scarf. This is going to be a high-tech scarf 
Wow. That okay. will, um, it's wearable technology. It has a biometric sensor integrated into the fabric to monitor emotional, physiological, and movement data. I don't think the, I don't think the proper football what? men are going to like this. This is for supporters to wear? Yep. But I don't want you to monitor my physiological data when I'm in the stands. Who's what? monitoring it? Yeah, they're going to measure your galvanic skin response, your heart rate, your temperatures, your body temperature. <laughs> um, it's an odd one. It's, it's going to die, death. We're not going to hear about this again. I mean, I've never heard anything like it. Mm. But, like, what's the point of it? It just makes me think, Dave, that it's kind of a physical manifestation of those PR emails you receive on a Monday saying so-and-so's fans are the most excitable in the country, according to right, betfluff.com. Yeah. So has it got a little, like, thing, little, you know, like the uh, heart rate monitors they have on the backs of top of their back? You can see yeah. it in the shirt. Has it yeah. got one of those things on? Like an yeah, electric so. blanket? Yeah, I mean, God knows how sophisticated this must be. I mean, Charlie, these must be expensive pieces of equipment. You can't just chuck them in a scarf. Yeah, the only, I mean, I guess it's part of fans wanting to have the same experience as the players or that, you know, (laughs) sort of seeing that they wear wearable technologies and Mm. they want that. But the only way it would be remotely interesting, and this wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to get this, is is a comparison with players. But you're not going to get that from, you know, it's not like you're exerting yourself physically at a Mm. game. Mm. Um, Will they be sold outside the ground? <laughs> but Get your smart scarf, half an hour. Knockoff ones, that, yeah. <laughs> like with, with really badly made heart rate monitors on them yeah. or something. Yeah, I don't know. Um, remains to be seen, I imagine. Um, but I think this might be trumped in the game's gone stakes, Charlie, by this. St Albans City FC have announced their stadium naming rights deal for this season um, with a Mobile Pizza Company. Um, which will see the stadium formally renamed as the Mozzarella Fellas Stadium. (laughs) (laughs) I did see this. (laughs) Dignity. There has to be a line. There has to be a line somewhere. Surely surely this is just going to lead to... Will they ever appear on Soccer Saturday? Will there ever be... I mean, Jeff will obviously reference them when they come up on the video printer, but there never be anyone there, will they? I don't think they'd even... Would they, would, what division are we talking? Are they high enough they're, to be even mentioned National in League passing? South, I think. I don't think he would read even their goal scorer out, would he? No, probably not. I think he might no. be tempted now, though. Yeah, squeeze yeah. Squeeze it in. Goal at the Mozzarella Fellas <laughs> Stadium. Shame. Shame to see the way football's going, to be honest. Um, also... Dave, I'm starting to think that some people in football are just trying to get themselves into athletic long reads. This is from Club Hine, who said, according to Gary Weaver on Sky on Friday evening, more on him later, (laughs) Huddersfield's director of football, Lee Bromby, on at least one occasion, deliberately drove slowly to the train station so a prospective signing would miss their train in order to see how they would react. Would he want the player to act in a relaxed mood, showing he can get on with people, or an aggressive mood, showing he cares about punctuality, mm. has an inner passion and drive? <laughs> Honestly, have no idea. This is so. This is a weird That's little detail. Amazing. Pathetic little mind, mind games. games. Yeah. So he's driving this. He's driving them to the station after they've had the meeting or yep. whatever. He's deliberately making them late. I mean, this is great because whatever, yeah, whatever you can post-rationalize that then to, yeah. he, you know, yeah, exactly. He he had exactly that desire, that will to, he, he wouldn't accept second best or it's the, you know, he, he's so down to earth. He just treated everyone really well. Yeah. I mean, it can backfire though. If, if, if new signing A sprints to get the uh, Virgin or well, the Avanti Pendolino back to London <laughs> Euston and pulls his hamstring and, and, yeah. and thus fails the medical. Yeah, that that wouldn't go into athletic long read. That would go into the freak injury uh, listicle, which is uh, yeah, um, an entirely different thing. I mean, um, that may be a sort of... You'll often hear 
CEOs or whatever will take out a prospective employee to lunch and a really big part of it will be, well, how were they with the staff? Were they polite? Were they respectful? Or did they think they were above it? So maybe this is like that and he is seeing how it's someone deals LinkedIn. with... very LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. How someone deals with a setback. Um, uh, my first thought, actually, Charlie, was that this is such a silly thing to do. Then I, th- then I thought of the times that my dad may have driven me somewhere. And my dad's a very slow driver. A very careful driver, and you know, um, quite right too. But um, the the low key frustration of being driven somewhere slowly when you've got to get there on time is oh, is not to be yeah. underestimated. I have to say, especially if you're trying to catch a train. So uh, I I feel for Lee Bromby's starlets. Speaking of Gary Weaver, though, <laughs> welcome back, Gary Weaver. Eventually, Matson Barnes lets it go. Clever thinking, gets it back from Brownhill. Matson picks up the pieces. Here we it's go. Beautiful from <laughs> They are back in the championship, but they're not feeling sorry for themselves. Go on. <laughs> They've come out fighting on opening night. <laughs> opening night. They have raced out of the blocks, and they have got their awards with Ian Hansen, who at times lit up the championship last season wearing the shirt of Coventry City. Go on. And Burnley <laughs> have hit the front on West Yorkshire soil. Yeah! <laughs> the soil but not lover that they is planted back. the flag. Yeah. God. That is a long lead in, isn't it? Mm, yeah, he got there in the end. Cuz cuz I mean, I'm so well versed am I now, Dave, with Gary Weaver clips that he'll do his initial outburst after a goal, then Hinchcliffe or Goodman will take over, and then he won't come back to talk about the goal again. So uh, I thought the cause was lost, but no, no, he was there. I went on my scout and I got it. <laughs> but is it just it? Is there no coke on there? Oh, there is. You've cut it I, out. I've, I've, oh, I was going to say, because I, I, I it did feel like he had to fill in a lot of time on his own there. I think it was Hinchcliffe, actually. But yeah, I famously can't tell him or Goodman apart. So apologies. Um, I, I do keep having that moment. I was watching uh, Coventry, uh, Sunderland Coventry on Sunday. And yeah, every every EFL game I hear now, where there's one of the two, I do have five seconds where I just have to sort of tune my antenna in. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Out which one's which. <laughs> Completely agree. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, Charlie, this is a weird one. Uh, Adama Traore was spotted by various people on Friday in various locations in and around South Staffordshire, including Wombourne Sainsbury's, which I believe is a big Sainos. Um, he was wearing his own Spain Adama 11 shirt while he was going about his business. Is that weird? Yeah, that, I mean... Yes. That does seem, is, a, that does, weird. That does seem a bit odd. <laughs> What's the selection process? What's the thought process? Where's the thinking there? It's, I suppose it, it's slightly less conspicuous than if he was to wear his Wolves shirt, yeah. I suppose, in yeah. the area. Um, but nevertheless, it's, you know, I can't really, not maybe he wouldn't complain anyway, but if he were to complain about any selfie merchants, then, <laughs> <laughs> then you can't really complain if you're wearing your own name on the back of your shirt. No, I suppose not. Place. Well, actually, that's, that's, that's the only thought I had, Charlie, with this. I, I feel like he, maybe he was testing out the old, yeah, in England, you could just walk down the street mm. and nobody will bother you theory and uh, all he probably got was just people sort of poking their cameras out from around the corner going why is he wearing that shirt um but it, it is a strange one it is i mean i because I, I was going to say you probably do just have a lot of that gear lying around mm, but, that's true but you'll have but you'd also have stash you know just the sort of polo shirts and stuff like and then the sort of <sighs> yeah. tight training tops that you can wear mm. without it being quite that's so identifiable like, match worn presumably like, it has to be <laughs> you'd hope so yeah, like 
that sure that stuff surely gets framed or mm. Can't can't frame all yeah, of he obviously, them. He obviously didn't. Obviously, nobody wanted to swap with him that night. Well, that, that, still that, got it. That suggests this far-fetched scenario that he's just got no clean clothes, so he smashed open a frame and go right. Oh, you would that one. <laughs> Fuck it, I never need this. <laughs> didn't play any match. I only played five minutes in that match anyway. It doesn't matter. Um, was like, uh, this, God, this no. was my, this was my son's birthday present, but <laughs> mm, he, he won't remember. I, just, I, I need to go out and get that cereal. My goodness. Right over in America. USL Championship outfit and River Island t-shirt, Sacramento Republic, have reached the final of the US Open Cup, dumping out Sporting Kansas on penalties in the semi-final. The standout moment of this, Dave, was Malik Foster's Penenka penalty. Here's how the commentators reacted. The Jamaican Malik Foster. The Penenka, absolutely disgusting. In a moment that called for all sorts of composure, he pulls out all the stops. Malik Foster, apologize now. This guy's got a family. (laughs) What are you doing out here? The nerve in this situation to go that route, to employ this method. Do you know, on the the day that the... um... Uh, the government finally hold their inquiry into Twitter speak being used in real life footballing situations out loud. This would be exhibit A, as far as I'm concerned, Charlie. It's, it just doesn't come across very well when you say it out loud. This, amazing. I mean, this is like about last night sort of yeah. levels of the pause after disgusting. <laughs> really let it hang in the air. Didn't uh, it? Man, I, that's amazing. I thought the disgusting bit was going to be it, and then mm. then that as well. It is funny because I know um, quite a few. American fans of Tottenham, they they use a lot of the language that they've obviously seen um, from fans and things, and it does, and and repeats it in those sorts of ways. It is quite funny, but but to hear it spoken is it's very yeah, odd, it's very jarring. Um, Dave, just on a technical point, would you allow a Penenka and a very well executed one, one of the best I've seen for a long, long time actually, from Malik Foster? Uh, would you accept it under the umbrella of this? player has a family for the goalkeeper kind of works <laughs> yeah he's been done basically hasn't he, he sort of, yeah he has but I don't think it's I don't think you can quite equate it with like leaving a defender on his backside or you know some sort of outrageous double nutmeg or something mm. it's because the goalkeeper's got to dive anyway yeah Okay. Yeah, that's true. It's more more of an impressive achievement for the kicker than it is a terrible thing for the goalkeeper. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Not quite as embarrassing as as being nutmegged or whatever. On that 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 topic of people having families, Mm. I I I quote tweeted uh, horseracing.net's tweet saying Frankel's 2012 Sussex States. That's it. That's the tweet. Mm. I quote tweeted that with "Stop it, Frankel! Frankel doing Frankel things," (laughs) and someone responded saying, "These horses have families." Well, lineage is quite important in horse yeah, racing exactly. circles. That's yeah. not very, very large families. Not places. irrelevant. Um, yeah. That yeah. was that was B three N Fox. I should give them credit, but it really made me laugh. As Excellent did the paddocks stuff. won't forget. <laughs> the <laughs> meadows won't forget. The meadows won't forget. Lovely stuff. Um, <laughs> equally that was lovely. Zakiri, the paddocks won't forget. Excellent. Equally lovely is this. This is from Sean, who was watching uh, Manchester United's friendly against Atletico Madrid. And uh, on MUTV, Dave, Ben Thornley said, when they're under a little bit of kosh. (laughs) (laughs) 
this is in the same ballpark as John Hart, as John Hartson's infamous uh, was running a mock, running absolute, running an absolute, running an absolute mock. mock. <laughs> That's possibly the greatest one ever. A little bit of kosh, <laughs> just a little bit of kosh. <laughs> kosh is this kind of just general concept. <laughs> oh dear, I think it's fantastic. Preseason yeah. form there from from commentators, I think. Um, Charlie, this is this is equally sensational as far as I'm concerned. Um, a transfer rumor emanating from Sky Sports said that Fulham have made an offer for Chelsea defender Malang Sarr. This was quote-tweeted by uh, an angry Chelsea fan who said, I'll drive him to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. That's it's perfect. Do you think... Which I mean, I mean let's... airport back to Heathrow? Yeah, God, think of the... Uh, um, mm. Reading would be up in arms about that. But, um, but Charlie, um, should we give him the benefit of the doubt here? Do you think driving him to... Driving player X to the airport myself has transcended geography now? Or is it is it... Can it be conceived as simply as a concept to explain how desperate they are to get rid of him? Or does it really have to be they are going to a foreign country? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, <laughs> you know, you, you understand the... It depends how literal. Yeah, I would sure. still stay literal. I would still stay literal yeah. with this. Even if you're pushing in the boundaries of it, you could... If he was moving to uh, Manchester United, it's conceivable. As I'd drive him there it. myself. No, but you you could you could fly from London to Manchester. Yeah, right? that still is probably a thing they actually do. Yeah, to get it done quickly. But Chelsea to Fulham, <laughs> it's to drive him there myself. Wouldn't yeah, even, it, it wouldn't is, even need well, driving. I'll pay, pay for the bus fare. Yeah, situation. Yeah. I'll walk mm. him. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll walk him. There. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll give him directions there myself. Yeah, yeah. which he won't uh, listen to, and he'll just check Google Maps anyway. Yeah, which is what honestly. anyone does when they receive directions. Absolutely superb. Right, next up, Dave, Daniel Hurley asks, during the Community Shield, Darwin Nunez was referred to by the commentator as the £85 million man. What is the minimum transfer fee that can qualify <laughs> to be an X amount of money, man? It's a good question. It is. I think, uh, let's assume Premier League, just to set the benchmark, the context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can be anything less than a £20 million man. Oh, definitely oh, definitely. Not. I think even higher. I think I think yeah. I think fifty would be 50, quite a low yeah. mark fi- for me. Yeah, I, I think the uh, I was thinking fifty. I think you can imagine if it was a club channel commentator, a uh, sort of in-house commentator for say Fulham, and Fulham had just broken their <laughs> transfer. That's records. the two point seven five million yeah. pound man. <laughs> I can imagine a sort of twenty million pound man if that you know <laughs> if that was a big salary for them. But I think if you're talking Sky even Sports, now, they, yeah. then yeah. I think anything less than fifty. Yeah, fifty seems a good benchmark. Yeah, anything less than that is just an well, it's just an average signing now, isn't it's not it? That yeah, remarkable. No, it's not. Okay, fair enough. Fifty it is. Um, so but I also s- think now in the day and age of you know undisclosed fees and add-ons and things like that, you know, do, do, are we getting the realms of you know the twenty-seven million plus plus a healthy uh, the amount up of add-ons to man. eighty-five million yeah. pound man? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if he satisfies all the requirements. Meanwhile, on uh, on the curtain raiser day. Struber Stan wrote in, Dave, and said a very important point raised on ITV just now. Uh, what distance slash accuracy does a pass become a ball? Now, my first thoughts here was the crucial difference between the two is as a pass has an intended recipient, a ball is just um, it's just put into a dangerous area. It's not necessarily targeted towards anyone. It's just put into an area. And that's the fundamental difference between a pass and a ball, right? I don't know, though. I think you, yeah, it depends if you're talking about the intent the sort of intentions or the outcome because hmm. you would routinely say what a ball that is from mm. De Bruyne what a ball that was from Kira Walsh through but their deliveries their deliveries rather than 
passes, right? They're usually set piece deliveries. Well, maybe not. More like a cross. A really good cross. What a ball, ball that is, what by the way. No, but like a slide rule pass, I think you'd see you'd see someone go, what a great what a ball. Great. Mm. I suppose you, if, you, if you shout a great ball at Sunday League, that's a crossfield pass probably, isn't it? Great yeah. ball. Because you're only you're only congratulating them because it, it landed at the feet of where it was supposed to go, Charlie. So maybe that's a that's a exclusion. Yeah, that, that that is a hard one, and you. But I think you can say great pass as well if it's hit in such a way that it's not hit. You know, if it's David Beckham or someone hitting a pass, a long range mm. pass, I think you could still say what a pass. That's a great he's, pass because it's clearly so muddier than I thought. Mm. Yeah, I think like it's, a short. I, You'd never, you have a, you have a long ball and a short pass, don't you? Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be a short ball. Short ball. You certainly couldn't. No, you certainly can't say ball. Ball. Ball basically implies lofted, long-ish pass, right? You couldn't play yeah. a little, like, little quick, I, quick ball. You, you could play quick ball though, couldn't you? A quick ball. You could. And that's yeah. short. But I think, I think the ball does de- it's, it does imply a degree of difficulty. Yeah. Mm. It's There's artistry involved. In, yeah, it's always talked about in sort of reverent terms mm. what as you say is. it's because you're looking at it because it's something great has happened yeah you'd never go oh that's a really bad ball there from mm. if, if someone maybe. plays a bad long pass maybe it's quite similar to the distinction in terms of how different they are between shot and finish Charlie there's a there's a little bit more specificity to it maybe a little bit more artistry a little bit more something to be admired in a ball and in a finish a as opposed to a pass and a shot. Do you have the same clear parameters as you do with some of these other things? I think I would, though, just thinking about like being at a game or whatever. Like, if someone swings in a cross that looks dangerous, I'd be like, oh, good ball. Like, yeah. Even if it doesn't result oh, in anyone ball. getting on the end of it. Yeah, it, look, it looks promising. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Because that. Yeah. When you would say that, Charlie, they're, they're definitely an intended recipient at all. It's just it's put into it's a in good the right area. area. Yeah. Good ball. That. Okay, fair enough. It's a tricky one. Don't think we'll ever get to the bottom of it. Thanks to Strubistan. Um, this one much more open and shut, I think, Charlie. Nikki Ells writes in and says, on the EFL goals roundup, they mentioned Sam Hoskins has six goals in his last seven appearances. Are we accepting these he's in great form stats that span across two seasons? No! No way! No. Well, I think the only... You, you have to be very upfront about... Um, I think you can say that as long as you make it very clear that it spans across that sort of time frame. Even if you wanted to span across two seasons, Dave, you have to go more than six and seven. If it was like 23 in his last 26, that's kind of all right because he's extending a run. But six and seven, that's just like... Yeah, you, you can only you, do that in October. Yeah, you can't mention it just offhand like that. You'd have to say, <laughs> and Sam Hoskins finished it's, last season in great form with yeah. six in his last six, and he can he carried on. Bang on. up where he left off. Bang it's on. Like, it's like on yeah. social media doing like hashtag ad. You need to be very upfront about this. Completely you can't, you can't be misleading the public in that way. Yeah, I think it's an absolute joke. Right, um, bit of a philosophical one for you, Charlie, now. From Bearded Caviar, who says, what makes a player have an eye for goal? Does the criteria change based on position? I don't think a 25-plus goal-a-year striker would ever be described as having an eye for goal. Your thoughts always appreciated. Now, I'm thinking midfielders yeah, that, who that, are trying to add goals to their game. That's a really good question. I think it's a midfielder who's... It's not their defining feature, but he does have an, he does have an eye for goal. And so, Nick. yeah, it's someone who... Christian Eriksen, maybe? I think he might oh, score a few too many. A few too many, OK. But I, I wonder, and this might be... a he might not have quite enough, but someone like Rodri at City, if he's like, you know, not only is a mid- midfield enforcer, he's got an eye for goal as well. Yeah. Okay, that's Cause, an interesting Because he, he, he's getting a few a year sort of quite spectacular yeah. ones as well. 
Well, that's interesting. So you you interpret potentially as eye for goal, meaning he can spot an opportunity to shoot rather than Lampard style, getting in positions to score, stealing into the box. Do you think it's more of a kind of speculative 30-yarder situation? I think Lampard is too much his defining characteristic. Like His game is scoring goals. You You would never say Lampard had an eye for goal? Only in his early days at West Ham, where he didn't score many and was kind of more of a box-to-box midfielder. It's too obvious. Yeah, yeah, he gets up and down. He's got an eye for goal. Mm. I just don't... You know, you wouldn't be saying that once he's scoring like almost 20 a season. Dave, if you were if you were talking about a centre-half who sort of guarantees you six, seven goals a season from set pieces or maybe takes the old penalty, is that an eye for goal? Can centre-halves have an eye for goal? It, I think Charlie's right. It does sort of imply someone who would take shots from outside the box. It doesn't feel right. Like Steve Bruce, for example, you know, or, or even John Terry or whatever, goal-scoring, famed goal-scoring centre-halves. Mm. It doesn't feel right to say they've got an eye for a goal. Okay, really? No, I, they're yeah, a, th- th- they're a threat at set pieces more. Yeah, you specify yeah. it more, don't you, about why they're yeah. a potential goal threat. Yeah, so maybe it's almost exclusively a midfielder thing then. I think it um, is. To add a twist this, Charlie, you wouldn't say Emil Heskey had an eye for a goal because he didn't <laughs> score enough as a striker. Like, no. it just doesn't work that way, does it? No. no it because doesn't. then you're thinking you should have more of an eye for goal. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Some some very good questions answered on this episode, actually. But I'd like to play us out with something very strange. I got a DM from someone whose name I won't reveal. He recorded his year eight pupils lunchtime football game. And uh, it has way more atmosphere than I ever remember any playgrounds football game at my school ever having. Here are the latter stages of Ties 3, non-Ties 1. <laughs> It's the range of songs as well. There's the final whistle. Now, sensational. Now, I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I'm reading too much significance at all of this day, but it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And as I said, I don't remember any sort of atmosphere like this at games. And I also, I'm also inclined to believe this was entirely natural and not staged for our purposes. But this is the clincher for all of this. Uh, the unnamed teacher writes in and says, "I was in the ties end, as I too wear a tie." The end. <laughs> what is this guy? Who is this bloke? On the terrace. Was the ties ultras? <laughs> What is your favourite moment of this, Dave? Uh, it's the, 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 the songs, the, the we hate non-ties, we hate non-ties, <laughs> and the come on you ties. I also enjoyed the um, the frantic appeals, Charlie, from one player to presumably the teacher 
stroke referee who had to give out that it was five minutes left of break time. <laughs> and then he relayed that information back to the place. Five minutes! Five! That is Sensational. Amazing. Yeah. But the reason I'm inclined to believe it was natural is because none of this feels completely implausible for a playground football game. This doesn't feel like, you know, over-engineering it. This feels like, you know, lots of people watching and singing songs while their peers play football in front of them. Seems fine to me. Yeah, yeah we, we never had anything like this at all because it sounds like there's a lot, there's a lot of kids not playing hmm. whereas in my school yeah if there were that many kids interested in football most of them have just played and it'd been more like a ludicrous yeah. sort of 20 aside match or something stupid like that yeah the yeah, only situation charlie where so many people will be stood around watching something is if two people were absolutely smacking the shit out of each yeah time. singing sweet caroline at the end of it <laughs> <laughs> There would be you had like a five aside tournament and people would watch that and I remember people seeing like the referees a teacher and that sort of thing. Good. And cool. then the referees got asthma because he was asthmatic. Oh <laughs> Jesus. Harsh, but, Personal. Um, yeah. If you're gonna you know, if you're gonna ref, you know that you're opening yourself up to that sort of thing. Yeah. Charlie, thanks to you. Thank you very much. Dave, hope you continue to bask in the lioness's glory. Thank you. Will do. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back on Thursday with the cliches quiz. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.